It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. I am your host, as well as one of the certified financial planners on the show. My name is Mike Bernard. Across from me, certified financial planner and my friend, Josh Gregory. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Hey, if I would have asked you at the beginning of 2017, how do you think the stock market was going to do? I can about guarantee you would have significantly underguessed, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. It, it was an amazing year, and uh, we want to talk through what went so well mm-hmm. and what's in store for the year for us over the, the year ahead here. Mm-hmm. What do you need to do with your investments? That's all coming up on this hour of the Wise Money Show. I know. It's dessert. It's dessert. It, talking about investments, it's one area of your financial life. It gets most of the attention when you, you're thinking about your finances. We're talking about it all day today. If you have questions, and I know you will, reach out to us. You can do so in a few different ways. Online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can reach out and send a question right there on the right, as well as catch up on previous episodes. You can give us a call or shoot us a text, 574-222-2000. Lastly, all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Wise Money Radio. Every episode is on the YouTube channel. Check it out. That is how how I enjoy following the show and just seeing how we're doing and all that. So what is the market going to do this year? Like always, (laughs) it's really anyone's guess. But like Josh said, if one year ago, 12 months ago, if you made a guess, and our own Kevin Corhorn did, made a guess as to what the market was going to do in 2017, most likely you were way off. Kevin was not. Really? Yeah. I don't remember his guess. We are not really into predictions here. I know a lot of economists and financial advisors are. Uh, In my opinion, that's just a way to gain attention for themselves because it's anyone's guess. Kevin turned out to be pretty, pretty close. But before we talk about why and then what to expect in 2018, let's talk about what actually happened. What were the results in 2017? Yeah, you know, if if we were to recap what happened in all corners of the investment universe, I like to think of these as almost the the box scores after uh, you know a, a weekend full of sports or a week full of sports that sort of thing. But um, if if I was going to use this analogy, I would want you actually thinking of all of these different performance numbers as different stats for players all on the same team. Yes. Too often we think of, oh, you know, my my stock investments did really well, but the real estate over here didn't do as well. And, and we almost think of, oh, I, I wish I hadn't had so much money over here. I prefer that people think of their portfolio as really a compilation of different players all on the team with different skill sets mm-hmm. that are going to be um, really kind of pulled to the forefront at different times. Yeah. You know, you're going to have years where your stock investments are stinking up the house 
and uh, your only redeeming grace is the fact that you have some of those boring bond investments in there, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So think think that way as uh, as your portfolio is really a compilation of of all these great investments. So we look at a lot of different uh, indices, different measuring sticks on how. Uh, these various types of investments have done. The S&P 500 is one of the first places that we start. Mm-hmm. What an amazing year. Up almost 22% last year. Yep. Way, you know, double what its uh, long-term average would be. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Now, the S&P 500, uh, if you're not familiar with that term, that's measuring the 500 largest U.S.-based companies. Yep. Okay, so big names that you and I have heard of that you're familiar with the Amazons and the Googles and and so on. A lot of people focus on the Dow. Dow is just the largest 30, and the S&P 500 is the largest 500. So it's really a better measure of large U.S. stocks. Believe it or not, even though that gets a lot of attention, historically, small cap stocks actually take a little bit more risk but have a little bit better return over the long term. Not so last year. Small cap stocks still did unbelievable, but we're up just over 14%. Here's the surprise, though, was what happened in international markets. Absolutely. International investments, stocks in particular, yep. up over 25%, almost 26% for large, well-developed countries, the, the companies that operate in those, almost 26%. Mm-hmm. Smaller, more up-and-coming economies around the globe, the, the corporations that operate there, which we would refer to as emerging markets, mm-hmm. um, the, the Chinas, the Indias, the Brazils of the world, 37.8%. Yeah, and, and let me just take a quick tangent here. I've had, I've had many people come into my office, over, and maybe this is you, maybe you've thought this, we've talked about it on the show, have come into my office over the past several years and have wondered, why do we still have these international investments? Because out of you know the previous four years, international investments have performed worse than U.S. investments. And many of them have just been very, very frustrated, especially with emerging markets. Because 2014, 2015, and 2016, emerging markets were negative. They had negative return during those three years. And yet we believe in long-term diversification, and, and I hope you do as well. And it really, it really paid off last year, finally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, keep in mind, as you're hearing some of these statistics, you don't want to rush right out and say, oh, now is a great time to go load up on those emerging markets. Obviously, they've got the hot hand, right? Yeah. To go invest in something that's up 38% may be a fool's game, but also just keep in mind that most people, when they're building out a really well-diversified portfolio, we, we often use the analogy that you're, you're following a certain recipe, getting the, the right balance of all the right ingredients in there so that things bake up correctly. Most recipes that I see out there call for maybe 3 to 5% in this area. Right. So if you're wondering, why is my portfolio not up 38%? Well, most likely, uh, if you have exposure to those emerging market stocks that we were just highlighting, it's a very small sliver of the overall portfolio. That's right. That's right. A couple other areas to hit real quick to round out the diversified portfolio. Real estate investments, which actually have been pretty hot over the past few years, still posted a great return, but less than those equity markets, uh, 8.7%. Commodities, 
which have continued to be sluggish over the past few years, did pretty well in 2016, only up 1.7% in 2017. A lot of economists, we'll talk about this in just a moment, are predicting commodities to rebound in 2018. And then finally, bonds, your safe, steady, predictable bonds, which this is huge, folks, we're going to come back to this, posted a positive 3.5% return. So when you look across the board, those broad areas that you can invest in, not a single negative number. That's not normal. So 2017 really was an anomaly. If you stayed invested, if you were invested and stayed invested, you were rewarded. Let's talk about why. What were some of the driving themes for 2017? And then we'll carry that forward into, well, what do we expect and how should you position your investments for 2018? Well, okay, so throughout the year, as we were talking about this with clients, you know, what is driving all this success in, in the markets? Haven't your conversations just started with politics? Yeah. You know, that that's where most people's minds go to. A lot of people wonder, well, how much of this is a Trump effect, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I've, I've personally never believed that the president should get all or none of the credit for how the economy and, and the stock market is going, right? Um, so, so we're not going to try to politicize this, but here's the reality. A lot of the agenda items, political agenda items that have been brought uh, to the forefront now with this new administration have been well interpreted or well received by Wall Street. Yeah. Okay. So, so take your own personal politics aside, whether you love the guy or are scared to death of the guy or anywhere in between, regardless of where you are on that, Wall Street likes what it's been seeing. Mm-hmm. And much of that throughout the year, in, in my opinion, was driven by the proposal for tax law changes. Yep. You know, it was, it was billed as tax reform. Um, it, it kind of got diluted down to maybe tax cuts for most Americans. I think it really still was true tax reform for corporations. Yep. It was a significant move there. And that's why Wall Street was liking what they were hearing throughout the year. They were hopeful that things were going to go through simply because it puts profit straight down to the bottom line and that drives stock prices. Uh, my guess is we're going to be talking about that a little bit more as we talk about themes for 2018. Let me ask you a question, though. What about the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency theme? We've got our take on that coming up, as well as how you should position your investments for 2018. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Have you invested in Bitcoin or cryptocurrency? Should you? Both of those great questions. We've got our take here coming up. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard along with Josh Gregory. Just the two of us today. Kevin Corhorn usually with us. He is out on vacation. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene as well as First State Bank for making the Wise Money show possible As always, we'd love to hear from you. This is your show. Today is dessert. We're talking about investments, what happened in 17, what the forecast is for 2018. If you have questions or comments, concerns, reach out to us, 574-222-2000. You can call or text wisemoneyradio.com. Lastly, social media, the YouTube channel, all of that at Wise Money Radio. So we hit the high level 
of what happened to the market in 2017, all broad asset categories were positive. That rarely happens, but that's fantastic news. We're going to talk about what our thoughts are on 2018, but we're running through why did the market do what it did last year? Part of it was the tax plan. I'll tell you the other one, and this is, I, I don't know if it drove the returns or it was just a, a component of them, but wildly low volatility, wildly low. One of my favorite charts, and if Kevin was here, I know it's one of his favorite charts as well, is we've got this really geeky chart that looks at intra-year declines in the stock market. So what do I mean by that? So normally we, we focus on where the market finished the year. Or so, so how did the market do for the year? Well, what about within the year? What was the, high, uh, the greatest peak to trough decline? Because, you know, the market's a roller coaster up and down. And of course, between January 1 and December 31, there's a lot of other ups and downs. And so this chart measures that. On average, it's about a 9% decline that you see throughout the year. That's a big deal, that, and that, that feels kind of scary to investors. Last year, the biggest intra-year decline from last year was only 3%. That ties the lowest level in, I believe, over 30 years. That's amazing. It is amazing, and so we've shared before, just want to remind you that's not normal, that's not how markets work, but it was surprisingly just a calm ride with all of the big political concerns and conflict concerns throughout uh, the world, it, it was just a surprisingly smooth ride. And I would just tell you not to expect that moving forward. That's but right. that was a big theme for last year, in my opinion. That's right. You know, there, there were a lot of different wins in our sales last year, one of them being politics, which we talked about in the last segment. Another one is just the simple fact that interest rates are still low. Yeah. At this late stage in the game, you know, we, we've been running strong uh, in the stock market for a lot of years, and the Fed has not had significant run-up in interest rates. It's a very slow increase that they've been having, especially compared to how they've approached interest rates in the past. Mm -hmm. And that's a theme, I think, that maybe we didn't give a lot of attention to throughout the year, but it was certainly something that supported the stock market moving higher, These this, this slow, gradual increase that's been happening. And let me just point out that that positive year that bonds posted as well, that was surprising in light of how interest rates move. It, they, they did move up. The Fed did move interest rates up, but very slowly, very methodically, really right on plan. And that didn't spook anyone. You guys know that when interest rates go up, bond values go down. So usually the bond investments, bond indexes go down when interest rates are going up. Yeah, you're right. It did not get enough attention last year. And when we look back on 2017, that's a big theme. You know, another theme that, that stood out to me is uh, the, the fact that here we are as a nation at what I would consider full employment. Yep. Most people, and, and maybe we have a listener or two who are not working yet or between jobs or something, but this is about as low as the unemployment rate can really go in an economy as diverse as ours. And 
in fact, many business owners that we work with, their number one struggle is finding people right now. Yeah. They, they could hire more people, they want to grow, but they just don't have the people to do it. And so what is the response when you can't find a human to go do the job? You have to equip the people working for you better better technology, yep. investment in infrastructure, somehow find a way to streamline your processes so you can get more productivity out of the current employees that you have. And all that investment into um, you know, robotics or artificial intelligence, new systems, that sort of thing, um, all of that is an investment into the economy, but it's also a driver of the stock market as well. Yeah, that's right, that's right. That was a big driver. Technology, if you look at the individual sectors, that really stood out. The last one that we're going to hit, and I teased it out earlier, is gosh, you would have been, uh, it, it just would have been one of the headlines if you thought about investments for 2017. The first thing that came to mind, Josh said politics, you might say Bitcoin in cryptocurrency. So. I've gotten my take on this. We're not going to spend too much time on it. I know you listening, you have a take as well. You might have invested yourself. You maybe ha- are tempted to. Our own team member here, and and um, he helps out on the Wise Money Show, Daniel. He had some Bitcoin long ago as well. So, Josh, what's your take before I share a little bit of mine? Well, no offense, Daniel, but... I think, have people lost their minds? <laughs> That's what comes to my mind. Holy smokes. You're going to hurt some feelings. I gosh. know I am, and that's kind of why I said it in the extreme here. But, <laughs> you know, I, I personally don't think of Bitcoin as a true investment in the sense of the term that I've been trained on, right? Okay. You know, I, I think of, I, I remember back to a book I read by Benjamin Graham, who was uh, Warren Buffett's mentor and one of his professors, the guy who wrote the book on how to and uh, how to anal- analyze an investment, how to pick uh, investment opportunities, that sort of thing. And he draws a very clear distinction between speculation and investments. Yeah. In his opinion, a true investment is something that you can analyze and you can have a predictable rate of return a relatively safe return if if you've uh, kind of crunched the numbers correctly, um, there shouldn't be a big surprise that happens with a good investment. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I think of my client who owns a bunch of farmland. He decided he was going to put an irrigation system in. That to me was an investment. We could calculate exactly what he was going to receive in greater rents because of this. We knew exactly when the payoff on that thing was going to be and what his rate of return would be. That's an investment. He's not just dumping money into some equipment and hoping for the best, hoping that it spikes in value or something. That's really what's happening with Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not something that's going to generate income to you in your life. Uh, its real value to you ultimately is if I buy it today, can I find someone else to sell it to at a bigger price down the road? That's how you're going to make your money. And unfortunately, right now on such a uh, a small market, mm-hmm. a, a developing market, if you will, it can be extremely volatile as we've seen. I mean, uh, a, a significant double-digit return drop in one day, that doesn't scream investment to me. That screams speculation. It's definitely speculation. It is appealing, and it's it's very tempting. And I'll tell you, if if you're if you're interested, we would say 
investing is not gambling. It's very different for the reasons that Josh mentioned. Long-term predictable return, very predictable patterns. We don't like it. It goes up and down. You have no idea where it's going to go each day, each month, each year. But over the long term, pretty reliable. Gambling, you have no idea. And oftentimes, it's a zero-sum game. If you have play money and you wanted to jump on this ride, just know the risk, okay? I've been telling folks it's worth nothing. We, we just don't know yet. We have no true, real, confident, clear picture of what the technology world is going to look like in five years, in 10 years. And if the blockchain really takes hold and win, and if cryptocurrency actually reigns during that time, will Bitcoin be the one? If all of that happens, then it might have some value like the dollar does today. But right now, without that in place, we just don't know. And so truly, it's speculating. And the wild swings from day to day are just pretty dramatic. So right. not right. for my taste. And I don't know about you, but if it is, if you're tempted, just play money. Just play money, folks. Not, not with the core of your portfolio. Let's talk about the core of your portfolio. What's ahead for 2018? What are the big fears? What are the big opportunities? How should you position your investment? Should you tilt one way? Should you overweight to another? What strategy should you use? We've got all of those thoughts and ideas coming up here and more on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thank you for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike. I've got Josh Gregory with me in the KFG studios. Thank you to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for partnering with us on the Wise Money Show. If you have any questions, let me just remind you, call text 574-222-2000, wisemoneyradio.com, as well as Facebook and YouTube and Twitter at Wise Money Radio. Today is our 2017 market recap, 2018 outlook. The 2018 outlook is on the horizon. Josh, I told everyone we're not really into predictions. Do you have a prediction on 2018? What no, the market's going to look no, like? No, I really don't. <laughs> and, and that's important, actually. You know, I, I, I know we're, that's not a cop out or anything, the, the idea of having predictions. We are not fortune tellers. We are not sitting here with our crystal ball and have some sort of sense where the market's going to, you know, take a quick turn this direction or that. However, we do pay attention to what is driving the markets right now. And and that's partially because our role as financial advisors is to be kind of the tour guide as we're going through this process. Mike, you know, I, I've been talking about it for the past couple of weeks nonstop. It's Disney week, oh, right? Yes. I, I'm ending Disney week here, <laughs> really. Um, first trip to Disney. It was part of the Christmas, the big Christmas present for the family. I've never been to Disney. My kids have never been to Disney. I felt like I had to do a bunch of research on some of these rides that we were going to be encountering. Yeah. Mostly so that I could be kind of coaching our kids because some of them were a little apprehensive about some of the roller coasters and things. And I remember watching a video on uh, Expedition Everest. Oh, yes. Right? Seen that video. Yeah. And I've... I felt like I needed to know, well, where's this big Yeti monster going to be hiding so I can <laughs> warn my kids and know the tracks don't really break and we're not going to go sailing off 
the, the tracks here. Yes, we're going to go backwards. You know, j- just kind of coaching them along so that as we're on the ride, they're not freaking out. I know right? some of you listening right now are thinking, you're ruining it, Josh. You're doing parenting all I wrong. Know. I know. <laughs> watching watching a YouTube video before you go to Disney ruins it for me. Yeah. I I want the excitement of the unknown, but I I'm a parent, right? So for those of you on YouTube, last time we went to Disney, Cindy and Carrington rode the the Expedition Everest ride and it snaps a picture on the way down, the big drop in the picture that it got was Cindy smiling and laughing and <laughs> Carrington <laughs> just eyes bugging out of her head and mouth wide open <laughs> it was it is so precious it's it's the best that's awesome well in, in many ways that's our role as financial advisors yeah. right and and i think the moral of the story here though is that investing can be fun if you can somehow take the fear out of it that yeah this drop that we're going through or this uh, economic condition that has developed here it's not going to ruin you it's not going to have you broke by this time next year, mm-hmm. our role is to help uh, kind of interpret what is happening as we're going through it so that panic doesn't set in. Well, let's start with that then. If we're if we're going to rattle off a couple of themes that really could drive the market in 2018, let's start with fear and, and the potential conflict across the pond there in North Korea. That has a lot of people spooked. And, and I have to tell you, we again, this is, this is why we're not in predictions, because who can predict exactly how that's going to play out? No one. We have no idea. If a conflict happens at the scale, the magnitude that we're, that we're dealing with these days, yeah, it could spark a lot of fear. Markets don't like fear. They don't like uncertainty. Surprisingly, markets typically do well during war times. Government's spending a lot of money. And so what what would I tell you to be prepared for on that ride if it happens? Yep, there's going to be some short-term panic and, and fear in the markets. Uh, but I would hope if, hi- if history is any uh, indication of how things would perform after a bounce or after a quick drop with some panic and fear market hopefully would recover we just don't know though we we just don't know and if you're positioning your portfolio for a potential a, a, a conflict there then you're speculating that's gambling because we just have no idea that's right you want to be prepared to the best you can for the unexpected, but don't base your financial plans on a scorched earth scenario. Yeah. Right. The other one is that, well, the markets are too high right now. So, and so that'll be a theme in 2018. I'm, I'm not so sure. I, I think it's really just going to come down to is the economy continuing to expand, GDP continuing to rise at a rapid clip. That's that's kind of that's expected in corporate profits coming through at record highs. I don't think that's out of the question. That's what the market's expecting. I think with the tax plan, that really could be a reality. Betting against that, you might be right. I don't know. We we just don't know. But that's what the Fed is going to be watching. Yeah. And I actually consider that to be another of the key themes that we'll be watching this year because there's going to be a changing of the guard happening. Uh, I mean, it's it's right here upon us. Yeah. And, um, you know, Jerome Powell that everybody's kind of watching and, and, and trying to get inside of his head in particular, um, what what's his take on interest rates going to be? How aggressive will they be with uh, increasing rates? 
are they going to be tapping the brakes pretty heavy or letting things continue to develop in the economy? That's a big question mark. Anytime that you have a new Fed chairman coming in, there could be a change in philosophy. New captain steering the ship may take it in a different direction. That's right. Yeah, that will be another big theme as well then as what actually happens with interest rates. We That's told right. you earlier that interest rates did a slow and steady rise last year. That's what the that's what the Fed's plan was. Apparently, the new Fed chair is uh, everyone says he's in the same uh, that same line of thinking, but will bonds continue to do okay in a rising interest rate environment? And will the market be able to anticipate and and um, plan for those interest rate rises or will they be caught off guard? So those are the driving themes. But here's the, here's the deal. And some of those could turn out the opposite of the way the market's thinking or could be a surprise and that could make things jittery. I was meeting with an individual just a few weeks ago and this year he's retiring it's exciting it's 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 fabulous and he's done a great job saving up and so as we start talking about well are you ready and how are things positioned he put the million dollars or so that he has he put it in cash because he knew he was retiring this year and he knew the market was high and he's pretty convinced there's going to be a drop so he put it in cash and so I don't know what philosophy you are or, or what investment strategy you're employing, but I would remind you, as I reminded this individual, that you're investing really for the next several decades. So he was in his early 60s. He's investing for 30 years. And yes, he's retiring. And so it may be prudent to have some dollars, a decent portion of what he's going to need to live on over these next few years and very slow, predictable, steady investments. But to put all of it in cash creates a greater risk than market volatility. And that is the risk that you're going to outlive your money. Mm -hmm. And so I educated him, I shared with him our philosophy here at KFG, and I'll remind you of that, that we believe in diversification to a, a, a deeper level than many other financial professionals. Yes, broad diversification using one strategy we call strategic, long-term buy and hold, and most likely that's what you have. Make sure that you're rebalancing right now between stocks and bonds, and make sure that you've got the right risk level between stocks and bonds. But then second, we believe you should add in some additional strategies that diversify among just a buy and hold uh, philosophy. Both of those seek to adapt. Tactical and dynamic both adapt. Tactical will adapt based on what managers are seeing to lean a little bit one way or tilt a little bit the another way. And dynamic really is just looking at the momentum of the market and, and making very quick changes. So that's that's our belief. I would I would tell you, make sure you're following a actual disciplined strategy so you're not swayed by your emotions like this individual was. So um it is tax season. Most of you have smelled it. Maybe you've woken up in the middle of the night in cold sweats and chills. Uh, around here, it's buzzing at KFG. We do a couple thousand tax returns every single year. And because of the tax plan, 
lots and lots of questions have been kicked around. Should I continue to do a Roth IRA? I've got lots of kids. Am I going to be hurt with the new tax plan? We've got those questions and more from several listeners. All that coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Should you be doing a Roth IRA, a pre-tax IRA, 401k, all that with the new tax plan? We've got that answer coming up here. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Across from me, Josh Gregory here in the KFG studios. Just the two of us today. Kevin is out on vacation. If you've missed anything, go to the YouTube channel at Wise Money Radio. We've got all of the episodes right there for you. You can watch them commercial free, if you will, unless you're calling this a commercial. You can also catch up on previous episodes on the podcast at iTunes and Google Play. Just search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Lastly, the website, wisemoneyradio.com. The episodes in podcast form are right there, and you can submit a question right there on the right as well. We'd love to hear from you. We've got, ooh, a handful of tax questions, and they're just going to keep coming. And so I'm excited to talk through those. I just, you know, would point out, we've spent the majority of today's show talking about what happened in 2017 in the investment world, what to expect in 2018, and some ways maybe you should consider positioning your portfolio for 2018. If you've missed anything, check out those previous episodes, or or excuse me, the the, uh, podcast or on YouTube to catch up on that. Ultimately, make sure that you're following a prudent investment philosophy, not be swayed by emotion. My hunch is there's going to be a lot of emotion driving things this year in the economy with conflicts across uh, the pond, interest rates, and all the political issues that we're dealing with here. So make sure you're following a disciplined philosophy. Micah comes in with the first question. Here's what he asked. What's the best way to get your taxes prepared? Should you do it yourself? Schedule an appointment to have a CPA prepare them right in front of you, or should you drop off your information and pick it up when your CPA is redone, done uh, getting them completed? Yeah, there's different uh, approaches out there. Even if, you, if you're working with a CPA, some do just allow you to drop off your information, give you a shout when they're done, and you swing in, sign here, sign there, and move on for the year, yeah. right? That approach, I, I personally am not a fan of. Um, the the do-it-yourself or sit with a CPA and learn, I, I would even throw another uh, option out there. The approach that we take is uh, we have a CPA or a tax preparer prepare the returns, but then our financial advisors deliver and review the tax returns with their clients. Mm-hmm. And the, the point here is I, I would say any approach can work if it drives you to understand your tax picture better. Mm. Some people can do their taxes themselves and by getting in there, get their hands dirty, do the work, it helps them get their mind wrapped around why their tax picture was what it is. And depending upon their skill level, uh, they may be able to even 
uh, turn their attention then to the year 2018 ahead of them mm-hmm. and say, okay, now what's going to be different? The fact that we've had significant tax law changes now may make that harder for the average American. And so if there was ever a year, in my opinion, to consider sitting down with a CPA or a financial advisor who can help you understand why 2017 looked the way that it did, and more importantly, turn your attention to the year ahead, this is the year. It is. It, it is the year. This is why we always tell you every show, go, run, don't walk to your certified financial planner's office and set up your appointment. Now is the time, and you need to make sure that your certified financial planner is doing tax planning, and they are either the ones preparing your tax return or working with your tax preparer. There's three rules that I have. Every year you get your taxes done. Josh hit them. I'm just going to put them in order here. First, when you get your taxes prepared, you need to know, why did I get the result that I did? What happened? TurboTax, doing it yourself, you often don't get that answer. You need to know why did it turn out this way. Second, you need to know, well, is there anything I can do and anything I should do to improve last year? TurboTax is not going to do that. In fact, many CPAs aren't going to help you with that. And then the third is what's 2018 or what's this next year going to look like and what should I do about it? And I don't know. Micah, in your question, doing it yourself, I don't think you answer, actually, you're probably 0 for 3 there. Sitting down with a CPA to prepare them, you actually might. If your CPA is doing tax planning, you might get all three of those answered. You might. Not a lot. In fact, a lot of places that prepare taxes by appointment, you're not sitting down with a planner or a CPA. You're sitting down with a temporary employee who's just been trained on taxes. And then finally dropping them off and then picking them up. There again, if you're not sitting down with someone going through, you're probably 0 for 3. So that would be our recommendation. And just like Josh, I can't think of a better time than right now where you need to be doing tax planning. Exactly. Tax planning is the key. What what we are always trying to burn into your mind is the idea that you should not be cruising around town, meeting with the CPA, and then moving on to your investment advisor's office and talking about their investments uh, game plan for you. Then maybe try to coordinate things with your insurance agent or your attorney. You could very easily have many, you know, multiple professionals in your life, each one of them having a separate game plan that they're contributing. Our belief is that your best decisions happen when all of those strategies are integrated together mm-hmm. into one plan. That's actually what we call it here, a yeah. comprehensive financial plan where your tax picture flavors your investment decisions and your cash flow planning has an impact on your estate plan and, and so on. Yeah. That is the approach. That is what your theme for this year should be to get one plan in place, not just get your taxes prepared. That's right. Corey has our next question. He's 53. Here's what he asked. I've been saving into my Roth IRA for the past several years, but with the tax changes, I wasn't sure if I should stop that or change that. Any suggestions? I love the Roth IRA. Just to recap, your contributions are not a benefit this year. You do not get a deduction on those, but as you invest that money in your Roth, it grows, hopefully, depending on how the investment's working. You're not paying tax as it grows. And then when you withdraw the money, all of that growth, if you withdraw, if it's a qualified distribution, meaning you're 59 and a half, 
you withdraw that growth tax-free. And since you never deducted the money you contributed, you don't have to pay tax on that. So essentially, it doesn't help you on your taxes today, but huge, huge tax benefit in the future. Essentially, for most people, this tax, the new tax changes should improve your tax situation. And therefore, you'll be paying less tax today. Therefore, you don't need as many deductions for most people. That's right. That's the point here is that the Roth IRA makes the most sense in the years where you are paying the least amount of tax. Well said. And it has just been determined now, right in front of Christmas, that your tax bill for most people is going to be lower. At least the rates will be lower. So go ahead, take your lumps now, pay your tax now, and avoid them in the future when maybe you'll be in a higher bracket. I think a lot of you might be thinking, well, I'm losing this exemption deduction. I'm losing this exemption deduction for my kids. In fact, that's Jennifer's question that's next. I'm losing this deduction, so I need to make up for it. And so I was doing Roth. I need to now do IRA or pre-tax 401k to get that deduction back. Possibly not. There again, do tax planning because you might actually, even though you're losing that personal exemption, you might be in a lower tax situation and the Roth still makes sense. Let's sneak it in real quick. Jennifer, she's 39. I have three kids age 10 and younger. That's a busy house. And I'm concerned about what my tax picture will look like in the future since I will no longer be able to deduct my kids on my taxes after the new law. Should I make changes to my withholding? Well, what she's referring to is the loss of an exemption. I always refer to exemptions as it's the write-off on your tax return that's based on headcount. So if you've got five people in your house, you get a write-off for five people. If you've got seven or 12 or whatever the number is, you get exemptions. That's the old world. Yep. Now those exemptions have been taken away, but what they have given in return is a bigger child tax credit for kids under age 17. Yeah. So I don't know how many of your, your kids, Jennifer, are, uh, would fall into that boat. But ten, ten, there are three kids, 10 and oh, younger. Shoot. Okay, got it. Yeah. So all of them. Right. Um, so you're going to get where they have taken a tax benefit away, it has been replaced with something just as good or better. Yeah. Yeah. Now, those of you with kids in college or 17 or older, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of pain there. But there again, do some tax planning to see, well, really, what impact is it? Because with fewer deductions, you're now then likely at a lower tax bracket. All the tax brackets, except for the 10%, have been lowered. So you're going to want to take a look and see exactly what the impact is. But my guess, Jennifer, in your situation, probably, probably a wash. In fact, you might even be better off. That is all the time we have for today, folks. I am so glad to have you with us. On behalf of Josh Gregory, myself, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.